Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today to open up God's Word and dig a little bit deeper, learn a little bit more, and grow spiritually. Grow in our faith and stay strong in our faith. Because, as we keep emphasizing, the Scriptures tell us that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So it's not magical, it's not mystical, it's not something that just kind of lands on you and you got it all of a sudden. Even though some people talk about how they got faith, faith develops within the individual as he gets into God's word, studies it, learns it, believes it, and starts to make the proper applications to his own personal life. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. We're thankful to be able to broadcast God's Word by means of radio, and then as we also post these programs on our website at churchofchrist.com, we're able to communicate these lessons not only through the local area, but also nationally and all around the world wherever they have access to the internet. We encourage you to go to our website at churchofchrist.com and encourage everybody you know to do the same, churchofchrist.com. Scroll down the home page and click on our podcast button. Now, it is free. It will always be free. Always be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. And when they sign up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive on whatever smart device they choose, their smartphone, computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever it might be, they will receive our Monday through Friday daily radio program, Search the Scriptures. It will be automatic to their smart device, but they'll receive a lot more as well. They'll also receive a short, about a 13-minute, every day, seven days a week, Bible study called Today's Bible Class. And they'll receive all of our sermons, a Sunday morning Bible class, and a Wednesday night Bible class. And again, all of that will be free and automatic. On our website, people can also access hundreds of sermons, and many of those are now posted in audio for, in audio, I'm sorry, video format as well as audio format, and they can also access hundreds of scripturally-based, spiritually-oriented articles that they can download, read, and study through, and thereby, again, continue to grow in their faith. Well, we encourage you to encourage everybody you can to go to our website, churchofchrist.com, and take advantage of all of these materials that they can access for free. Now also, if you would like a hard copy of this program on CD, all you have to do is ask for it. We'll tell you how to contact us at the end of the program today, and all you have to do is ask. Do not send us any money. It is free, and we mean free. So have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready. You can jot down that information in just a little bit. We are going to get back into our series of studies talking about the existence of God. Does it make sense to believe in God? Does God really exist? Well, in the first section of this study, we talked about the reality of morality. The fact that there is a basic moral standard of morality that pretty much everybody they accept, they understand, they recognize, they believe in. 
things such as murder is always considered to be immoral. Stealing is considered to be immoral. Even Now, even though we really struggle as human beings with lying, and we get wishy-washy on that as far as whether or not we absolutely abstain from lying, but if you really pin people down, pretty much everybody would say, yeah, yeah, lying, lying is really immoral. Well, there could be other particular points of morality that pretty much everybody understands and agrees with. Well, that is a moral law. For moral law to exist, there has to be a moral law giver. It cannot be humanity, the individuals who are human beings, because we're all over the place. Now, we'll pretty much all agree on some basic standards of morality, but then when you get into, you know, more specific issues, some people say this is moral and some people say that is moral and then others disagree and it's all over the place. And then we change our mind personally and individually as time goes on. Governments are just as bad. They have particular positions of what is moral and what is immoral, and, but just give them a little time They'll change their minds in some of those things as well. And particular local systems of government or state government or national governments, both in this country and around the world, different ones will have different opinions as to what is moral and immoral. But again, all of us basically agree with certain standards of morality. That means there is a basic foundational moral law. And for that moral law to exist, there has to be a moral lawgiver. And in that first section of our study, we, we establish that moral lawgiver to be none other than God. There can be no other basic standard of morality than God being the giver of that law. Well, in this particular section, as we've begun last time, we're talking about another concept or principle that naturally goes along with morality, but it's broader than that. And that is the, the understanding, the principle of goodness, goodness, true goodness. We're not talking about subjective goodness that is based upon an individual's personal feelings, where somebody says, boy, I really think that, that plate of Brussels sprouts or I really think cauliflower, or I really think broccoli. Or you can just name whatever you want. That's really good. Oh, that's good. So good. And somebody else comes along and says, what? Yuck. That's not good. That's horrible. Well, you see, that's subjective goodness based upon my personal feelings, but not based upon objective standards. But there is true goodness that we all recognize, all of us would say, oh, yeah, there's, there's basic standards of goodness that, yeah, we all recognize as being true goodness. Well, there has to be, again, there has to be a standard maker or a standard giver for true goodness. How do you define goodness? And I said it's spelled G-O-D. God is good all of the time, consistently good. James wrote in James 1 and verse 17, 
Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God is always good, and whatever God pronounces to be good can be trusted to be genuinely good. God is good all the time, and God's word gives us objective standards to confidently determine true goodness, consistent goodness. We read the account of the rich young man who came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. He comes to Jesus. The the young man was wealthy. He comes to Jesus and addresses him as good master. And then he asks him, what good thing must I do to have eternal life? Now, he must have already recognized Jesus to be, well, beyond just the next human being or maybe the next teacher of, God, of, the, of the word because he comes to Jesus asking him what good thing he must do to have eternal life. So apparently he had some degree of faith already in Jesus. He addresses him as good master, asks him what good thing must I do to have eternal life. And Jesus responded asking him, why do you call me good? There is one good, and that is God. Now again, we talked about how in that particular culture of that day, there was a term, a phrase of identity, the good, that was understood to refer to God. And so Jesus might have been, in his initial response, playing on words, saying, why do you call me good? Are you recognizing me to be God? God the Son? Well, that's speculation as to whether or not he was really using that particular play on words in the way he responded to the young man. But the real point that we want to emphasize is Jesus himself identified only God as being truly good. He told the young man then, but if you, if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he's referring to the original Ten Commandments. The young man asks him which ones. Jesus gives him a sampling of several of the original Ten Commandments. The young man responds and says, I've kept all of these since childhood. And then Jesus said, if you truly want to be perfect, then go sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Now, Jesus, of course, could read the man's heart, being not only fully human on this earth, but Jesus also being fully divine, God the Son, the Savior, the Messiah, come to this earth. And so he understood where the man's real sense of goodness or sense of commitment and dedication lay, And that was in his worldly wealth. And so he told the man, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have, give to the poor, come follow me. The young man responded in sorrow. He was sorrowful and he walked away from Jesus because he had much goods. He had a lot of wealth. Well, you see, if we want to to benefit from the goodness of God, 
then we need to live a life that God instructs us to live according to goodness. And only he is that standard. God is good all the time. Look at some of these passages of Scripture from the Old Testament initially. We're going to look at Psalm 25, Psalm 25, and let's look at verse 8. The psalmist writes along this line, talking about God. Psalm 25 and verse 8. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he teaches sinners in the way. Good and upright is the Lord. Well, what is the danger of sin? The wages of sin is death. Romans 6 and verse 23. What is the goodness of God? In that same verse, Romans 6 and verse 23. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, so there is the contrast between the two ways of life. The way of sinfulness going to lead to eternal condemnation in hell. The way of goodness, righteousness from a spiritual perspective, and that will be, that will result in our being blessed with eternal life in heaven through Jesus Christ. There's the goodness of God. God stands for goodness. God is good and upright all the time. And because of his goodness, he teaches sinners in the way. He teaches sinners how to be blessed through the goodness of God. In Psalm 86, in verse 5, we read this. For you, Lord, are good. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all who call upon you. Are there people in your life you have a tough time forgiving? because of something they've done to you, some evil, wicked, sinful way they've acted before you or maybe against you. See, God is ready to forgive the worst of the worst if they will come to him his way through Jesus Christ, his son, our Lord and Savior, repenting of their sins, truly repenting of their sins, turning away from sinfulness in their lives, and confessing their faith in Christ, and surrendering to him in baptism, being buried in the waters of baptism, immersed therein, wherein the blood of Christ cleanses them of the guilt of their sins. And they come up out of that watery grave of baptism, not only forgiven, but also reborn spiritually. John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, made new become a new creation spiritually. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. God is good. He's good to the point that even the worst of the worst, he wants to forgive. He wants to give a second chance. In Psalm 52 and verse 1, notice what we read. Why do you boast in evil, O mighty man? The goodness of God endures continually. Some people, they get all caught up in the ways of of evil, of wickedness. They think they are benefiting from living that kind of a lifestyle in whatever way that it might be focused in their life. But they're not benefiting. Oh, they might 
on a surface level basis be gaining something, but ultimately it's eating away at their souls and it's condemning them for all of eternity unless they repent and turn away from that evil and come to God for his goodness, for his forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And so why do you boast? Why do you boast in evil, O mighty man? You think you're mighty, but each one of us is pitifully vulnerable in our physical lives without God. The psalmist says the goodness of God endures continually, continually. Let's look a little further. Let's look at Psalm 100, Psalm 100 and verse 5. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. God is not wishy-washy in his goodness, in that part of his character as God. God is always good. Even in some of his judgments that we would think might be harsh or that we would question, why, why do you have to do that? Because God is totally good. He cannot abide. He cannot tolerate sin in our lives. He is totally, absolutely good. I'm not sure how we could illustrate it in human terms in this physical realm in which we live as human beings. Maybe the newborn baby who is absolutely innocent And we would say, certainly, that is the epitome of goodness on a human level. But you see, God created that human baby. God, he knows all about evil, all about wickedness, all about sin. But he is always good. He is always absolutely good. So, we read what we just noted in Psalm 100 and verse 5. Exalt the Lord. I'm sorry, that's, for, that's, that's Psalm 199. 100 and verse 5. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. It's interesting. We find basically the same statement over and over again in several Psalms. Psalm 106 and verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And in Psalm 107 and verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. In Psalm 118, Psalm 118 and verse 1 as well. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And then in the 29th verse of that same psalm, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Do you think there's a lesson that the psalmists are trying to get across to us as to the nature of God? as to the goodness of God, if we're wanting to know about true goodness, we need to look at God. Now, this particular series on the existence of God is looking at the not just the idea 
does God exist, not just the possibility does God exist, but we're talking about the compelling, compelling evidence from a logical or analytical perspective that God absolutely exists and we need to believe in him and follow him. When we look at Psalm 145 in verse 9, here the psalmist writes, The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. The Lord is good to all? What about to that person who is an atheist? Is the Lord good to him? He doesn't believe in God to begin with. Is, is God still good to that atheist? Yes, in various ways. Jesus said God makes the sun, sh- the sun to rise or to shine on the just and the unjust. He makes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. You see, God, his goodness extends to everybody. Now, that does not excuse, his goodness does not excuse wickedness in anybody or evil or sinfulness. But he is good to everybody, and his goodness toward even the atheist, even to the worst of the worst sinners who might say, oh yeah, yeah I believe in God, but he's caught up in, in, in all kinds of unimaginable almost evil. God's goodness to him in the things that we need to continue to sustain our life physically, air to breathe, water to drink, food, again, sunshine, rain, replenishing the fresh water supplies, those ought to be compelling evidence to that individual that he needs to change his life. God's goodness extends to him in those ways, even though he's living in an evil life. And that example of God's goodness should motivate him to recognize his need to change and to come to God for God's goodness. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 34 in verse 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Yes, I've often said I do not understand how people without God in their lives, how they make it in life. You talk about a hopeless life. That's the person who does not have God in their life. They need the goodness of God. And the fact that God is the source of all true goodness is compelling evidence that God is there. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for being there for us in our lives as we walk with you through your, Lord, through your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You are truly all good all the time. Help us to live the good life before you in Christ. We pray for people to recognize your goodness and their need to come to you for goodness, your goodness, all over the world. Please forgive us, gracious Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.